I never know where I stand with social media. I at times feel like I'm back in middle school on one of those lists where the guys rate you 0 to 10 based on your best assets. And I'm at the top of the list only to fall five spots the following month. It is strange to think about social media being this space where only one dimension of who you are is really present. I think the parts of myself that come across on social media are that I have everything figured out and I definitely don't. And I think the internet has given me access to more diverse points of view and it really helps me to be more considerate. As someone who didn't grow up surrounded by social media, my relationship with it isn't, I feel, as all-consuming as with the younger generation. Um, so I spend approximately six hours a day on my phone. I was really shocked to see that number because I didn't realize how much I was on my phone. And this is just talking about my phone, not even my computer when I'm doing my schoolwork. So I definitely feel like that's a really absurd amount of time to be looking at a screen. In case you missed it, we recently put out a piece called 21 Questions to Ask About Your Life on the Internet, and you can find a link for that below. But basically, the idea was to create a tool that people could use to check in with their internet habits and see what's working and what's not. Most of all, though, we really wanted this to be a conversation starter because often the things that we're struggling with on the internet are the things that don't get talked about enough on the internet. So we asked a bunch of women in our community to get this conversation going. Here is what they had to say about their life on the internet this year. Why are you on social media? I'd say loneliness and FOMO were my original motivating factors. I'd like to think that it's evolved into a desire to seek and build community around my intersectionality, especially as a disabled person. I think I felt lonely as a black woman and as a queer person throughout most of my life, but loneliness as a disabled person hit different, for lack of a better description. I felt disillusioned from my friends, family, romantic partners, and peers in a way that prompted me to grasp at any outlet, creative or otherwise, to express myself. Instagram fed that need at the time and is now a way for me to express myself and create the content I wish I had throughout my disability journey. I want to spam my corner of the internet with pictures of disabled people living well, stylishly, and rebelliously, kind of like a disability mood board. I really love this question about um, describing your online relationship as a partner. I think there's so many similarities. I mean, besides physical affection, those relationships are the same. You seek validation. It satisfies your intellectual curiosity, you feeling seen. And I think this is why we're all so attracted to our online communities. Um, we need it in a way. We need close relationships. I feel like my social media is a childhood best friend that I've known forever. And she's been here through the worst of times, through the best of times, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're always close. It doesn't always necessarily mean that our relationship is the healthiest or that we need to be in each other's lives. And I am learning to be okay with letting the flux be what it is. And I'm really, really hoping that as we both progress, 
as algorithms change and as cultures shift and as I grow into who I'm supposed to be, that we can find a natural way back to each other. I felt like I've outgrown our relationship too many times to count, but the potential keeps me hooked. It's the toxic relationship that I'm too ashamed to mention to my therapist because I somehow still feel like I have the upper hand. It's bad, but it's not. It's shallow, but it isn't. It's draining, but it's fulfilling. I feel irrevocably obsessed with them, but I also know this can't be healthy long term. I know they're seeing other people that I feel almost in competition with, but I feel like the things that make me different give me an edge, like everyone else. This one's going out to you, Jordan. If your choice social media platform shut down tomorrow, how would that affect your life? (laughs) What was it? How to lose all my money in 10 days or something? (laughs) How to be a broke woman on the internet? How to be a broke woman? Um, I didn't realize until very recently, as weird as this sounds, but... A lot of my jobs have come through Instagram. It will be challenging at first, as a major portion of my income is from one social media platform. Plus, not being able to connect with my community will sadden me. I would gain a significant part of my life back. Not so much, I think, because I'm on it a ton, but because of how much mental space it takes up without me even realizing it. A lot of my work and how I approach my work is affected by Instagram or is guided by Instagram, however indirectly. And I think that consumes a lot of mental space that maybe if I didn't have all of that info in my head, I would be more creative and I would not feel as limited because I wouldn't be aware of what else was going on. And so I would just be doing my own thing and experimenting. I mean, honestly, it's hard for me to think of myself without social media at this point. But yeah, I would, I would figure it out. It was like kind of when Instagram like shut off for that one day and everyone was freaking out. I kind of felt relieved. So I probably would feel that same way. Fear, relieved, and also excited to have something else, something else to fill my time with. If every single social media platform shut down tomorrow, I would call my friends on the phone and ask them to get brunch, and I would ask them about their day because I would have no idea what they did all day. And I really, really miss that part of our lives when I didn't know what coffee shop my best friend went to that morning or what podcast I listened to, and I can actually find that out through organic conversations. Um, so frankly, I think if Instagram, let's say Instagram shuts down tomorrow, I think I would talk with my friends more, which is very, very sad. I'm curious what you think about that one. I actually have a friend who deleted her Instagram because she was like feeling a lot of FOMO from having it. And she realized that she wasn't asking her friends questions because she would just see it all on Instagram stories. So she didn't feel like she had she had anything to ask or to say, I guess. And since deleting her Instagram, she sends photos to her parents and to her friends and gives them like in real life updates on what she's doing. And it feels like a lot more personal that way. So yeah, I definitely get what Sarah's saying. And I think I probably would feel the exact same way. 
All right, this next question is, what's one account you most enjoyed following this year and why? So this year I discovered the account of the actress Philippine Leroy Beaulieu. She is a French actress and she plays uh, Sylvie in the TV show Emily in Paris. And this TV show is on Netflix and uh, it became, you know, famous worldwide. And I love, you know, how she was able to stay sharp and relevant and to use this international recognition to get more opportunities, more fashion campaigns, more interviews, more fashion editorials. And it was very refreshing to see a middle-aged woman able to uh, seize this moment. What about you, Ford? What's one account that you followed this year? Well, I actually unfollowed everyone this year I think because I just needed a reset because I found that it didn't really matter how well I curated who I followed just following anyone gave me a reason to impulsively check my feed and what worried me is that I found myself doing that in specifically really challenging moments whether it was creatively professionally emotionally it was sort of serving as a cop-out in those moments. So yeah, there might have been certain content that I wasn't liking anymore, but it was really more about making sure that I was facing myself and not using social media to get out of hard moments. But let's cut to Annie because she had a great take on this. So this year I unfollowed this parenting expert who is very popular, um, Dr. Becky. She has a million and a half followers and she has good advice. The problem was whenever her posts came up in my Instagram feed, I went into this little, not a spiral, but more like an eddy of wondering if I was doing a good enough job parenting my kids because she has a lot of ideas of how you can say things well or how you can handle your stress and the truth is like I'm doing my best I think I'm a pretty good parent but it just felt like this weird little nag to me like you could be doing better and um, I'm doing the best I can (laughs) I think Annie really just pointed to the problem we all, I'm pretty sure, have with social media, mom or not. And I think it's such a good distinction to make that it's not the content itself that's often harmful, although it can be. It's just the presence of so much information, so many different people, so many different opinions, and a lot of things to measure yourself up against. The medium itself is just really overwhelming which is why for me following zero people was really good because it didn't mean that I didn't use social media it just meant that I checked in on accounts at my own pace and I got to sort of see how it felt to not be habitually fed stuff that I may have vaguely consented to at some point that I no longer even remember. Yeah, and I like what you said about you don't want to be fed stuff, and I think that's definitely been my approach when I unfollowed accounts this year. A lot of the accounts I unfollowed were mostly, you know, stunning models and celebrities and influencers, and 
you know, sometimes I pop into their pages from time to time for like fashion inspo or travel ideas and whatnot. But I think seeing some of their content on a daily basis really led me into a rabbit hole of comparison and self-consciousness and insecurities. And I had to like really check myself and think to myself, like, is this something that is good for me to see every day? And, you know, what they put out may not be harmful in nature, but um, it was harmful to me. What parts of yourself come across on social media and what parts of yourself don't come across? I, over time, have taught myself to become more and more private and more and more focused on the boundaries that I want to establish between who I am in person and who I am online. I think it's so important to delineate between those two and to only show a part of yourself that is just a scratch on the surface of maybe the depth of who you are or who your friends might know you to be. It's so important for me that my true friends, my family know that there is more to me beyond that and that they have a relationship that is really unique. I also just worry so much about privacy and these assumptions that people assert when they engage with you on social media or with your content and believe they know you to such an extreme depth. And a few years ago, I had a few instances where it did feel that way. And so I really pulled back. I think as an artist on social media, I am constantly, constantly in my feelings. But then the part of me that's on social media is editing those feelings, right? So all these purest forms of all the emotions that I'm feeling, the desperation, the loneliness, the sadness, the grief, the joy, the happiness, the lovely, the affection, like all the spectrums of these feelings. But then I get on Instagram and I have to think, fuck how can I package this into something that other people can experience too? And I do think inherently something gets lost in that edited version. And there's no way to have the digital landscape carry the emotions that I want to display because everything has to be condensed. Everything has to be in a certain form. I'd say from very early on in my career, I was pretty open about my work life on social media. So I actually found it incredibly liberating, I think, at the time to be able to share these moments and connect with people so quickly. Um, You know, I definitely used it a tremendous amount to grow my network. And early on, I think there was something quite empowering about that, especially, you know, coming straight out of um, university and uh, trying to navigate my way through uh, this fashion industry that sort of felt very closed off and in a circle. This one's for you, Jordan. Are there any differences in the way you communicate with people online versus off? I think definitely maybe a year or two ago, I there was a difference in how I communicated. I think online I was a lot more confrontational and blunt and maybe like had a bite to the things that I was saying. And I think this past year I've kind of reflected on that and saw the ways that it like really pulled my energy from me and I didn't really like how I was communicating online because it was affecting me how I was feeling offline. So um, I think this year I've been trying to align those two things and now I'm trying to communicate the same way and just be more considered and maybe slower to speak both online and off. I feel like offline me could actually learn a lot from online me. Uh, I'm a lot uh, more considered online and I take a lot more time and I think about 
people in a much broader perspective with a lot more gentleness and a lot more empathy. And um, real life me actually is a little bit more short tempered, a little bit less tolerant, a little bit more, um, a little bit quicker. And I think quicker is kind of bad. So, you know, I think online me actually kind of wins out on this one. Is there something you've been wanting to share on the internet but haven't? If so, why not? I don't talk about my older son's autism online. Um, And that's mostly because my husband and I haven't talked about it with him. We haven't needed to. It hasn't felt like his differences have really registered with him. He's a happy kid. He loves school. He's making friends. Um, And at some point, we'll talk about how his brain is a little different than most other people's brains. But we're not at that point yet. I think the other part of it is that feels like his thing, right? It's not really my place as his mother to tell his story. At the same time, um, I'm talking about it now because there's still stigma around autism and there shouldn't be. I'm not embarrassed by my kid. I'm not sad for him. People will be like, I'm so sorry. And I want to be like, have you seen this kid? He is just boundless sunshine and joy. And there is no reason to feel sorry for him or us. But I also just, I don't really talk about it because I don't want to take on the emotional labor of other people's questions and concerns and sympathies or conversely, like, feeling the pressure to be hashtag autism mom. Um, I like to have certain things be just for me and my family uh, and friends. And that's one of those things. When you think about the time you spent online this year, can you think of anything you would have rather done with that time? Reading for sure, because since I have the internet on my phone, I read less and less. I don't even want to know how many hours I've spent online this year. It it actually, I think it would genuinely upset me because this is really embarrassing, but I once wasted two hours of my day looking up trivia about Harry Styles, a man I will never meet who does not know I am alive. And yet I was like, I wonder, I wonder if he was a cute toddler. Well, duh, of course he was a cute toddler, but I know because I spent two hours looking up pictures of Harry Styles as a toddler. Like, what is wrong with me? And so I remember being so mad at myself once I pulled myself out of it. Like, you just wasted hours on something incredibly pointless, and you have this one precious life. Can you think of a conversation that should have happened in person? So totally, one time I share a story and a friend of mine replied to the story with a comment and I didn't like the answer. So I was very direct in my answer and we both got upset with each other. And then we met in real life and we were able you know, to discuss uh, about the subject again and to give a different point of views. And because we were in front of each other, we were more polite. And also, um, you, know, you know if uh, the person in front of you had or 
had not a bad day or a good day, so it's it's not the same tone. It was really easy to discuss and you know to uh, to debate. And I think on social media you don't have the context when you give an information or you receive an information, so it's very different. It's very difficult to uh, see the whole picture. I want to introduce this one because it's my favorite question. I think it's the question number twelve. What kind of person do you hope to be when you go out into the world every day? And how does the internet help you show up as that person? How does it get in the way? I sort of feel like all of the questions should be answered with this one in mind. If you're having all of these benefits from the internet, but it's not helping you show up as the person that you want to be, then it doesn't really work. I hope to show up as someone who's empathetic, present and is passionate about making fashion a more equitable place. The pictures and content I post lend themselves to that aim for the most part, at least I hope they do, but it's also a curated version of who I actually show up as. There's more photographic evidence to support the well-adjusted, happy, self-confident version of myself that has her activism hat on at the ready. But there are a lot of moments where I feel despondent, defeated, and like burying my head in the sand. The algorithm likes consistency and demands showing up even if you don't want to, which isn't conducive for caring for yourself in the ways that are necessary when dealing with ableism, racism, homophobia, and the like. Instagram helps me show up as the badass I want to be, but doesn't feel as welcoming to the soft parts of myself. When I got into the world, I tried to do so with patience, kindness, empathy, And sometimes I even managed to do it. In some ways, the internet helps me do that in the sense that it is constantly sharing the perspectives of of different people who may live in a different place or have a different background than I do. And so that encourages me to not make assumptions about other people and how they may interpret a situation that we're experiencing at the same time. But I think that Part of the problem for me with the internet and why I don't use it as frequently as I once did is because it's about the tyranny of the popular. It's about constantly entertaining or provoking a strong emotional response in people um, and doing that frequently through uh, outrageous attention-grabbing behavior. And that's just not, to me, the recipe for a, a healthy life and a healthy sense of self. So for me, in the real world, I find that being patient, listening, taking time to form an opinion or being willing to say, you know, I don't know enough about this to have an informed opinion. I need more time so that I can develop an informed opinion. That's the opposite of the way the internet works. What's one thing you bought online this year that genuinely made your life better and that you'll keep for a long time? What's one thing you bought impulsively and regret? So this year, I finally bought a ring that was under my radar for years because I read uh, on social media that they will increase the price of the ring. So I wanted to make sure I got the ring at the current price. And I'm so happy with it. I don't know why I didn't buy it um, before. And I think it's a great purchase because I can give it to my daughter later. And on the other end, one time I made an impulsive purchase. 
um, I saw some sunglasses and some models and on Instagram and I thought, oh my God, they look so cool with it. So I bought them. But when I'm wearing them, I don't, you know, feel like it's the right vibes for me. Um, so I regret it. And in the end, I sold them. It's interesting because a couple people said that exact same story about seeing something on models on Instagram. Yeah, I definitely, one purchase that comes to mind, I bought this like low rise midi skirt and it was white and it was super cute and a ton of, ton of people online were wearing it and they styled it really nice and I got in the mail and I, for some reason, forgot that I'm 5'1 and don't have the same proportions and so I, I looked completely ridiculous in it and I had to send it back. If you could change one thing about the internet, what would it be? I would get rid of metrics. I don't know if that would completely break the internet in a terribly bad way, but I think if companies weren't able to access data about us as easily as they currently can to advertise to us, I think that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And I think that... If we as daily users of social media aren't able to see numerical feedback in terms of number of likes or number of comments or number of views or anything like that, I think it might, it probably would make for a much friendlier version of the internet. Is there anyone you've been wanting to connect with? What's stopping you from reaching out? Is there someone you? No, because I connect, I reach out to everyone I want to connect with, like to a fault. Like There's over, never been anyone that you haven't. I feel like I wear my heart on my sleeve. And if I think if, for example, I don't know, six months to a year ago, I reread notes in my yearbook and I read like a really sweet message from an old friend from high school and I found him. And I messaged him and was like, this was really sweet. And I like almost cried. And now we're friends again. That's so sweet. Yeah, I don't know. I and I I do it to the point where like my cousin or friends like think I'm so embarrassing. And I, I just don't have pride in that way. I think it's sweet for someone to reach out and say like, hey, this reminded me of you. Or, hey, I really like what you're doing with XYZ. I would love to meet you in person and grab coffee. I think there's no, I don't think there's anything to lose when you reach out to someone to do that. And I think if someone finds you embarrassing, that's on them and they're probably not a nice person. And at the very least, if, you know, even if they don't want to hang out, you kind of made someone's day in a way and let them know that you were thinking about them or that you admire them in some way. Um, I don't know. I've, I've gained so much from connecting with people on the internet. And I think that's why I wanted to ask that question. And cause I know a lot of people are shy about it or are embarrassed by it. And I, and I think that's, it's such a disadvantage. When you consider your participation with content on the internet this year, like articles read, posts commented on, accounts followed, did the positive interactions outweigh the negative or vice versa? I think ultimately I'm really, really grateful for the time that I spent online this year, which is not something I probably would have said at the beginning of last year. I think now especially 
I love the people that I follow and I'm very selective about who I follow. And I'm so, so proud of the things that they're amplifying and the issues that they're bringing to light. And being part of something that I can stand behind fully, that I want to see more on my feed, that has definitely made my time more enjoyable on social media. A lot of the times, and I didn't realize how much of this is how I meet people, is that someone will slide in my DMs and be like, I really like what you said about X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, I'll message someone and be like, I love this piece of writing that you put out. I love this photograph that you took. And that's what starts a conversation. And I don't necessarily know if I would get that in real life, um, at least not with the same ease. So having access to people who are like-minded and who inspire me and who bring my attention to new, new things all around me, that is so, so, so invaluable. What do you think women on the internet would benefit from seeing less of and why? I'm coming at this from the perspective of a middle-aged lady who just happens to work with around 1,100 teenagers in a school setting uh, in England. The conversations in schools surrounding mental health and bullying stem in over 90% of cases from online use and misuse. Both sexes, but especially young women and girls, strive to attain the unobtainable. Despite workshops, conversations, therapy, etc., they still continue to feel if they don't have the flawless look of girls on online posts, celebrities and media stars, they're worthless. Girls hide behind heavy makeup and will join negative friendship groups to fit in, and this in turn leads to online bullying and posting of derogatory messages on forums like Snapchat and TikTok. I think that whenever I spend a lot more time on social media than I normally do, I notice a significant decline in my mental health because when I am scrolling through apps like TikTok and Instagram, I start to see a pattern of unrealistic beauty standards and I find myself comparing myself to other girls on TikTok and I think that it turns into a really unhealthy cycle and pattern of thinking. So I think that overall it isn't really adding too much to my life, so I should spend more time doing things that actually benefit my well-being. What do I think women on the internet would benefit from seeing less of? Um, Well, I am a woman on the internet, and I would benefit from seeing less performative femininity. Um, And by that, I mean, like, I wear makeup, I sometimes like to dress nice, I enjoy being a woman, but what I don't enjoy is the pressure to look a certain way, to be considered an acceptable woman in our, in our society. And I think that's changing in a lot of ways, right? Like, we, we see that those really rigid gender roles are considered outdated, and yet... And yet, when I see some of the uh, reels that are suggested to me, for instance, it is just this hyper, hyper stylized version of womanhood that is frankly rewarded by the internet. Um, And I remember how the conversation used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago about how damaging women's magazines were for creating this impossible standard that no one could possibly live up to. Not even like the celebrities and models on the covers could live up to it. But now with social media, 
it's harder to make that argument when we as viewers as consumers of this content don't see everything that has gone into it whether that's uh, hours of prep or uh, a lot a few syringes of juvederm or uh, filters like we don't see that what we see is a tiktok of someone who looks just flawless and i think that while i'm always happy for anyone who is feeling herself and enjoying it and enjoys looking a certain way like go for it good for you but i think that it's not really helpful for women at large because it keeps us so hyper focused on the way we look um, and tying that with our self-worth so you know i can control who i follow and i do but the algorithms i think are always trying to be like, but don't you want this hair tutorial? Look at this. Look at how you could style your jeans. Um, And again, I don't think those are inherently bad or wrong. What I find bad and wrong is that that is kind of the default mode for women on the internet. And I think women are so much more complex than that. And the internet doesn't necessarily reflect that to us very well. You know, these conversations make me really hopeful for the women in my life. And it seems like we're all talking and kind of finding our way around this stuff. But it does make me wonder for young girls, is there any way out of this? For it, you know, if, if it shapes the way you think about being a woman from such an early age, I don't know, I sort of feel like will be fine, but I'm not sure if they will. Is that pessimistic? I feel like I'm not saying anything because I I kind of feel similarly. I think we already got so fucked up as it is just seeing magazines and tabloids and the inspiration on Tumblr that I can't imagine what, just how much more that these young girls are seeing from Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and for how many more hours a day. Are you leaving this with any general feelings, insights? What stuck out to you? I think just overall reflecting more on the time spent on social media and what I can be doing instead, and also what parts I do want to keep for myself and for those closest to me. But I think the biggest thing that I want to chew on and take away from, I think, is are the ways like that I use social media and how how other people might benefit from seeing less of the things that I post. Um, what about you? I guess I just never want this to to be just a conversation. I think hopefully it leads to at least one tangible act of trying something new or different. 